Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. everybody. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. Hey guys, how are you? This is weird. We have new microphones. New mics. Yeah, we're we professional now. I hope we sound different. <laughs> we should do that thing um, from uh, when Howard Stern's movie came out, his, uh, what was it called? Private Parts. Private Parts, when he like, <clears throat> the woman is straddling the speaker. Oh, the, s- he- the CM, what's it called? The Sip Silk? No, not the, not, not the, the Sibian. The Sibian, right? No, she, he's, like back in his old days, she's straddling the speaker and he's making noises in the mic and he says, turn the bass all the way up. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Oh my God. I know. I should Such watch it again. Movie. I know. You know, I feel like after he and Allison got divorced, it wasn't the same it that was a long time ago. Right, but the whole movie is, the, his whole thing is, the whole way through the movie is like, and I had Allison, and I had Allison, right. and she got me through and it like all. And like he was the nice guy. Yeah, and I'm misunderstood. Right. And I still love him, and I love him with Beth, but I, there's something about watching that movie now that I'm like, well, he's not with Allison anymore, so it takes on a different... Yeah, make a new movie. Make a new movie. Howard, if you're listening. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> do, he won't listen because he doesn't love podcasts. That's he true. always makes fun of them. Well, he's old school medium. This no, is but new school. I disagree with him because I think had podcasts been a thing when he was first starting, when no radio station would take him because he was too quote unquote vulgar, I think he would have been like, hell yeah, I'm going to start a podcast. Well, that's what he did with Sirius. Right. But, yeah. but once he had enough money to go to Sirius. Right. But back in the day, had podcasts been available... How's yeah? I'm sure he would have been like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast, say whatever I want with my own platform, right. and be, you know what I mean. That like well, now to he's me, too it big makes, for it. Like he's he's the anti-podcast because he's because he's worked pushing, to get where he is, and he feels like it's too easy. He's to just pushing go radio. Make a podcast. Like you have to work your ass off to get into radio, and he did, and he you know fought the battles and he won and you know yeah no anybody I, can make a podcast i mean look at us <laughs> <laughs> oh we're anybody yeah, we are anyone no i love him i just i disagree with him on the podcast thing because i think that he, back in the day that would have been exactly what he did i, I think he yeah. would have had it been an option totally started his own podcast so i think he needs right. to think of it from that perspective anyway today we are talking to amber my friend from blogging I've been blogging for about two years now and been following them. Very good. Since, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I did it. It's tough. From the beginning. They are non-binary, queer, 
she, he, they. Oh my God, it's so she, hard. He, they. No, they. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm really practicing. It's, it's I was in the car the other day with Mia, our 13 year old, and I was telling her about the interview. Our kids are not usually allowed to listen to our podcast ever, but this. Mia is very into LGBTQ rights and she researches and we've gone to marches and um, she just is, it's, it's big with her. And when I was telling her about Amber, I kept using she and Mia was getting so frustrated. She's like, mom, it's they, them. It's not that difficult. So yeah. (laughs) But it is. (laughs) It is difficult. And, And Mia is always educating me on things. Like I just got her for Hanukkah for the first night. Her favorite band is Panic at the Disco. And I surprised her with Panic at the Disco tickets. And she's obsessed with Brendan Urie, who is the singer and he is pansexual. Can you define Oh, pansexual? I do know what pansexual is. Okay. Right, let's hear it. Pansexual is somebody who is um, okay with anyone, whatever their sexual desires are, whether it be a man, a woman, somebody who's gay, somebody who's not, somebody who's anything. Good. They're into anybody, anyone, no matter what. Right, they right? don't. Yeah, and that's kind of cool because it sort of opens up your options a lot more. <laughs> like you can, if you're going to like anybody, then you have a lot more. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So yes, that is good. A pansexual is an umbrella term for I think that someone who will be with anybody, anyone, no matter L- what, LGBTQ, straight, whomever. Right. They don't Trans, lock themselves queer, up. Queer, anything. I just said that. Oh. That's covered by LGBTQ. Right. Yeah. Well, I was just... My, my microphone thing is keeps going limp. <laughs> look, look. Rub it. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps falling, see? <laughs> we have new microphones. It keeps falling. You yeah. need to fix mine. All right. You need to tighten it. I bought the cheap ones. Obviously. <laughs> so um, so anyway, so she's obsessed with Brendan Urie, this singer. And okay. He's pansexual, but he's married to a woman, but he is pansexual. He, but he, he's, he's a he. He's a he. Okay. Yes, he is a he. He identifies as a man. He's married to a woman, but even though he's married to a woman, he would... He, but you if, know, he if he left her... Correct. He would go with anybody. Correct. Yes. And any of my younger fans out there, the show Younger... On, I think it's, is it TV lands now? I can't remember what it, um, what it's on now. Hillary Duff is on there. But one of the main characters, Nick Treratola, I think his last name is, he is also, um, he, I don't know if he's, he's gender fluid or, well, right. I got to do a little okay. bit more okay. research. Well, anyway, okay. but, but what I'm trying to say is a lot more people are starting to express themselves in these ways. And I think it's really cool. And Amber is here to educate us about it because we hear these terms and we kind of, I think sometimes just skip over them without really trying to understand them. And it's important to take a moment and stop and really educate ourselves. Well, yeah, I think that's really important because when you, if, if somebody says to me, Hey, my name is so-and-so, I I prefer to be referred to as they. I would think to myself, like, okay, okay. like, what, oh, right, all right, another Yeah, thing I knew you would get annoyed by that without to. really understanding it. But when you listen to them talk, mm-hmm. you, you kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you resp- even if you don't get it, you respect it. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the takeaway of this and whole thing. And guess what? We don't have to get it. It's not about us. Right. It's about them. Exactly. Ooh, so that was ooh. like a double. Ooh, <laughs> that was good. That was like a write that down. Like a singular them ooh, and a I, all of them. I'm come. putting that on a t-shirt. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So I right. love Amber. I think sh- they, they are, are fabulous, yeah. and I hope you will too. Check her out at Family out. Rhetoric. Shit. I was so good. I was so close. I'm sorry, Amber. I was doing so well. Check them out at Family Rhetoric, R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C. Adam and I had to research how to spell that because neither of us knew how. And if you are interested in having her come and speak at... Oh, God damn it. I was doing so well. (laughs) Them at a school or a workplace or wherever. They are amazing and they are starting to do this all over, and they are fabulous. So They are. Wait, I can't start the interview without giving you some serious props on the audio. What? Yes. I get props? You do get props. Holy shit. So this is our third interview. First one, audio was kind of a disaster. <laughs> Second one, it was a semi-disaster. And this one was really good. Not too bad. You did great. Yeah. You did great. It I only did. took a few beatings of I did me my like research. whipping you into shape to try to... <laughs> no, it was great. You did great. Thank you. I, no, you, I appreciate that. You did great. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy you dinner tonight or something. We should go out. Uh, you always want... No, you want to go out now. I want to stay in. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. We're staying in. All right. Uh, so enjoy. just get in. Get in. Get in. All right. Enjoy, guys. So it's so funny because... When I was telling Adam about you, I was like, yeah, my friend Amber. And it's just so funny because we know each other through social media and through the bloggers world, but we've never met. This is our first time speaking, yet I feel like I know you and I feel kind of a connection to you, even though it's only been through the world of writing and photographs and, you know, that kind of stuff. So how nice is that that we can build that community? It is. It is. It's so cool. And I don't you feel like you've met so many awesome people through blogging? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and honestly, I was mentioning this to a friend the other day that I, I personally struggle sometimes with self-worth and um, that kind of imposter syndrome. And so it kind of hit me the other day that I'm like chatting with people throughout the day who I've actually admired for a really long time. And like all these people that I was like looking up to and like, Oh, trying to like kind of not be on the radar necessarily as like a fan, but like on the radar as like a colleague I am now. And I was really humbled by that. And I was really taken back by the fact that not only am I um, respected kind of in this writer's world and, and what I'm doing, but it's by people who I really respect and how great is that? Um, so yeah, these connections are amazing and, um, I love this community. I mean, as an artist and as a writer and, um, if nothing else through this administration, I'm seeing who my allies are more than anything. And that's been really valuable too. And I, a lot of my allies are you guys, the writers and the people who blog and, um, who are willing to hear what I have to say through my writing when it comes to, um, LGBTQ stuff. So I love it. It's great. And I, I, this is the first community I feel like I've been a part of that. There, I feel like we're, no one's competitive with each other. Everyone just supports one another. It's crazy. I, it I mean, is crazy. I, and yeah. So I haven't. I, I think haven't. it's also okay for us to be like, ah, but 
we'll get it next time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I was so excited to speak with you I, because I am very familiar with your writing. I read a lot of your articles. I have kind of followed you since, I guess, I think kind of since your, the beginning of your blog. Because how, how long have you been doing it? So I have been freelance writing for a long time. Um, my, I started Family Rhetoric uh, right around the same time I got sober. I needed, um, so I'm an alcoholic. I've been in recovery for 15, 16, I don't know, July 23rd of last year. So July 23rd of this year was a full year. So whatever that Congratulations. is, I don't even know. Thank you. Yeah, good for you. Um, That's great. Thank you. Um, it was a long time coming. Um, but I really, um, so I've been writing for a long time and getting sober um, is really kind of what pushed me to take um, not only my writing more seriously, but also my advocacy more seriously. Um, and in order to be a better advocate for myself and my kids, um, I started the public Facebook page. So I would have a place to do some microblogs. I'd have a place to share my writing with the sites I was writing for. And I would have a place to share articles specifically around um, queer topics. So I think that's around the time that you um, found me, but I've been writing for, for a very long time. Um, it's just kind of been recently that things have taken off and it's no coincidence that it has to do with, um, being sober. So, um, as hard as it is, is on some days, it, I do recognize what a blessing it is that I can do these things with clarity at this point. That's great. And so now you're, you're sort of taking things to another level. You're starting to speak publicly in bigger forums and everything, right? Is that kind of your next step, your next goal? Yes, it is. Well, do you want to talk about a little bit um, about my family's background? Do you want me to talk about Ryan a little bit and kind of my motivation for this stuff? Or, sure, yeah. Um, I was going to say, if you want to tell us a little bit about what, why you've decided that you need to kind of go broader and bigger and grow your um, advocacy and everything. Um, if you want to do, do some of that, that'd be great. So my name is Amber. I use they, them pronouns. So I'm non-binary. So our world is broken into the binary, which is on, off, male, female, yes, no, right? So that's the binary. It's one or the other. And so a lot of people run with the assumption that gender is binary. And I'm happy to talk about gender versus sex and not the like doggy style sex, but like the the, your body, uh-huh. <laughs> your body part sex. Um, so basically gender is between the ears. So gender, how you identify as a male or female or neither or both, um, is in your brain and your sex is based on what's between your legs. Um, and oftentimes I'm assuming Adam now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming Adam identifies as male and he was born as a penis. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Adam, you are cisgender. You are somebody whose sex and gender align with each other and you're pretty confident in who you are, right? Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. So somebody who's transgender, um, their sexual parts don't line up with their gender identity. So I have a transgender daughter. She was assigned male at birth based on her sexual anatomy. When she was about 18 months, she started very adamantly preferring um, to wear her big sister's clothes. 
which I was fine with. Um, kind of like, yeah, let's see this little boy rock pink. I'm fine with that. Um, so we just kind of watched this um, little kid gravitate towards skirts and dresses and all the things. And then um, she got a little older and um, would never say that she was a boy. And at one point when she was about two said, I was reading a book to her and her twin brother. There was a picture on the inside of, it was from the library and there's a silhouette of a girl and a boy seemingly. Um, and Ben pointed to the little boy and said, that's me. And Ryan pointed to the little girl and said, that's me. And so it was the first time she said, I'm a girl. Hmm. So I took note of this because as a parent, you want to kind of follow your kid's lead. And I didn't want it to give her potentially language that for something that she wasn't feeling. Cause maybe just that day she's like, Oh, maybe I want long hair or maybe I want to be like my big sister. Or maybe I like what that kid's playing with. I didn't want to ever feel like I had to give her a label. Um, so for about six months, we started referring to Ryan as our big kid. We were very gender neutral um, with her to kind of see where this would take us. Like, did she feel like she had to be a girl in order to like clothing, even though she wasn't from this house that supported that? I mean, we're a two mom house, we're a queer house. Um, we have lots of queer friends. So our messages to her were never that she had to be a girl to like stereotypically girl things. Um, so we watched and we waited and we listened and she's already kind of an intense kid. Um, but her anxiety was getting really high and, um, her moods were not great. And finally we realized like she's intense and she was telling us she's a girl. And finally my partner and I were like, you know what? Like, and we have trans friends and they're like, she is all the things that a transgender person is consistent, insistent, and persistent across the board. And she had been for, I mean, almost a full year. And we as parents were just kind of like, oh, you know, because so many people say, how can a kid know that they're, you know, a transgender from such a young age? Well, it's the same way that your cisgender little boy who was born with a penis can easily say, I'm a little boy. It's the same with my daughter who was born with a penis who says, I'm a little girl. They know. Kids know their gender right around three. Um, it locks in right around that time. And um, we knew she's going to be starting preschool the fall uh, about six months from that point where she just really was adamant about being a girl. And we talked to our pediatrician and he said, ask her how she wants to start preschool. And if she says as a girl, you guys need to start switching pronouns and you need to um, practice that and see how it feels for her and how it feels for you and prepare the preschool for this. And we did. And we saw an instant mood change. Like this kid, like it was, it was like a rebirth for this kid. I mean, you just saw, happiness it was easier um her siblings relaxed because everybody was kind of like you idiots like of course she's a girl <laughs> you know but um there's definitely a process of a transition for parents and a transition for kids um and so she has been living as her most authentic self um the may before she turned three and so she's she'll be six in june so i mean she's been she's been rocking it um doing her thing she's still an intense firecracker but um so she's transgender. And what was her birth um, name? What what name did you give her at birth? Well, so um, it, it was Ryan. I will say that um, a lot of people prefer you not to ask that question because a lot of older transgender people, some people, it depends on your, the, the person, you can ask that, but people often say the birth name they were given is their dead name. And it brings up a lot of negative feelings for them because um, not 
all transgender people have a smooth, supportive transition. And so they often like to kind of forget. Um, and I'm not speaking for the entire transgender community, but it's not always... I personally wouldn't ask a transgender person what their um, birth name is because it's disrespectful. Um, if they want to give you that information, um, they can. But to call a transgender person by their birth name is it's called dead naming them and it's very hurtful. So I'm okay that you asked me that question, but I would recommend that you not ask any other transgender people. Right. Well, I was going to see, I, if I didn't know, I was going to see how she got to Ryan. Did she choose that name or, you know what? Cause I know it could be a quote unquote boy's name or a girl's name. So I was just, she, that was the name. <laughs> so when they were in utero, um, Ben was, the lowest one down. He was the first one in the shoot. And, um, he was super calm, super chill. And Ryan was above baby B and she was nonstop. Their personalities are just like they are now in utero. And we're like, well, I love my, I picked Benjamin was the name I picked. And it just seemed like a chill name. And my partner really liked the name Ryan. I'm like, well, Ryan sounds like let's go do keggers like kind of thing. And, let's give the one who's flipping the name Ryan and let's give the chill one Ben. And it turned out that Benjamin um, is Ben and Ryan, um, our trans daughter. It, it kind of worked out nicely that um, her name is gender neutral. So um, yeah, she still has her first and middle name and um, we never have given her the option to change it. I don't know that she wants to change it um, because her narrative as Ryan has always been a positive narrative. Um, and for the most part, um, I think that plays a, a big part in, in a person choosing to change their name or not. Um, so can you, can you give yeah. us a little background just to kind of rewind a little bit about sure. your backstory and your, um, you know, how, when you decided to, I don't know if you, came out or you just always identified as non-binary or what your, uh, you know, your process and your experience was, but can you give us a little background about that and maybe how you met your partner just a little bit so we can kind of put it all in kind of perspective? Sure. Um, so I knew from a very, very young age that I was, I hesitate to use the word different because sometimes people associate different with not okay. But the bottom line is I felt different as a little kid. Um, I knew um, from a very young age that I wasn't 100% female. I just always kind of latched on to that tomboy um, identity. And I also knew that I really liked girls. So I'm like, well, I must be gay. Like, this, I'm gay. Like I, knew, like, I knew when I was five that I was gay. Um, I was raised in a very religious, religious, um, abusive home full of poverty and bigotry. So I also knew it wasn't safe to come out and I held a lot of shame for a really long time. Um, and, but I knew for, at a very early age that my heart loved differently than my straight girlfriends. Um, not girlfriends. I never had a girlfriend in high school. That would have been nice, but no, um, <laughs> my friends who are girls <laughs> and plenty of crushes in high school, but that's all another story. Um, so but you kept it a secret. I, knew. I did. I kept it a secret for a really long time. Um, I told a few friends 
my junior year of high school, maybe. Um, and um, I didn't really come out, come out um, until I went to college. I went to Penn State. So once I went there, I was like, oh, finally, I can kind of be myself. And I started breaking away from my hometown even more. Um, even the friends who were also there, I just really kind of wanted to try to find my identity. And I'd always identify or always present myself as more masculine. Um, always felt more comfortable in, you know, stereotypical male clothing. Um, you know, everything. I just felt more comfortable that way. And I always felt this struggle to kind of not a girl, not a boy. And, um, I just, I researched a lot. Like, am I transgender? I'm like, that doesn't feel right. And I really never had the language. I just knew, um, you know, I said, you know, I'm gay. And then several years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm queer. I, I don't like the word lesbian. It's too gendered. Um, gay is also gendered, but it felt like it just kind of took away the fact that I feel both male and female and I've written about it. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I heard the word non-binary. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, like that feels right. And at the time I was probably, it was right at the beginning of the peak of my alcoholism. Um, I don't know if alcoholism can really have a peak or not. I mean, but it was real bad. My drinking was really bad. Um, also very secretive. Um, and I was just putting a lot of reasons to not like myself, um, on top of reasons that I already didn't like myself. So it was a lot of, um, dark, feelings and shame and I was also home full time with my twins and I was bored and I was lonely and I was just really in a really dark place and it started to occur to me how much I hated my body and this is a big thing too with um transgender people and non-binary is under the transgender umbrella um can you define queer I'm sorry because we hear the word all the time yeah I was gonna ask actually if that's I didn't I thought that was more derogatory than like that it wasn't an okay I think it word. was at one point, right? Was it at one point kind of? Yeah, I think it depends on who's using it and how you're using it. Um, I identify as queer because it encompasses how I fall in love. So with um, other female identified um, female bodied people. And it also encompasses my... Um, my gender identity. So queer for me is my sexuality and my gender identity all in one. Um, so it feels right to me. Um, sometimes people who <sighs> queer is also, I think a good way to not be erased. I know there are some, um, like maybe a gay or lesbian, um, man or woman who then marry or date, a transgender man and woman. So it looks like a, a heterosexual relationship when it's really not. And so like, let's say a, a cisgender lesbian is married to a transgender man. Um, on the outside, it just looks like this heteronormative straight couple. Um, but that erases their kind of their community of their queer community. Um, and so sometimes, they then would embrace that the word queer because it, it tells, you know, it's, it's about representation and visibility, honestly, in some cases. And people often wonder like, why do you have to label yourself? What, what does it matter? Well, it matters because there aren't equal rights and there's still hate crimes and there's still fear and there's still ignorance. So we have to keep using these labels in order for people to understand and see that we exist and we're here and let's try to normalize 
these these relationships before we can just kind of strip it away and say, oh, well, you're just a couple because people don't see um, lesbian or gay couples or, you know, some people, you know, a bisexual person may be in a, you know, a man-female relationship and that bisexual woman's like, hey, let's not forget the fact that I can also fall in love with a female. Like that's, your identity is really important and you want people to see you. And so going back to me as non-binary, um, my drinking and my identity were very tightly linked and I didn't realize how much until I got sober. And when my, when I wasn't drinking, I, and I still am very uncomfortable. My body, I'm, um, I've lost 30 pounds since, um, stopped drinking and I've been doing a ton of heated yoga and fitness. And so my body is slowly becoming more of my own. Um, I still would like to do top surgery, um, someday, which is having my breasts removed. Um, so there's definitely pieces of me that aren't there yet, but to just finally say, look, I am not binary. I'm not female. I'm not male. I am non-binary. It just feels really good. And, um, anytime somebody uses a female pronoun on me, I cringe. Like it, it's like a physical reaction for me. Um, I try to give people grace because unless they know the preference that I want, they don't know. And so I try to be clear. I have a button that has they, them pronouns on it. Um, so when I do my speaking engagements or if I'm out at different places, um, people know um, to use those pronouns. Um, and I, I am, I, I do sometimes still get masculine male pronouns, which doesn't bother me as much as female pronouns, but it's still not quite right. Um, but so being non-binary is, I think, the hardest thing for people to understand, but it's what feels most comfortable to me. And that's ultimately what matters most because that's what's going to keep me happy and healthy and sober. So um, I'm trying to be patient with the people in my life who are trying to um, embrace this. Um, so it's, so I, um, it, ha it wasn't until, so I've known kind of this about myself for a really long time. And honestly, I drank it away. Um, and it has only been a few months. I, I made an announcement around coming out day um, this October and just said, hey, this is who I am. And a lot of people were like, well, no shit. Like, of course, you're not binary, you fucking right. idiot. Like, right. why right. did it take you so long, like, to finally, right. like, embrace this? Like, we see you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And some people are like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Um, I'm confused and, um, and some people have just taken it in stride and, um, and I've been, um, really humbled by, and like you said, this writing community by the number of, um, you know, people who I haven't met in real life who are just so supportive and, and mostly they're the ones who have been like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like we see you, like we know you, like through your writing, like you've been talking about this stuff and, um, of course it's who you are. So yeah, I don't know if your readers or your, your listeners will see me, but I do present as max masculine and I don't know if androgynous is the right word, Danielle, to describe me. Um, but 
I definitely have feminine features, but I think I present more masculine. At least that's how I would like people to see me. But right. Um, so, do you think about changing your name at all, or no? Because it is a very female name, feminine. Mm-hmm. Wait, before you answer that, I, just to, yeah. until we transition to that. So you yeah. said you you feel you were talking about wanting to get surgery. Is that because you yeah. you you identify more physically as a uh, a man? Is that what that's about? Maybe I'm just a little um, tongue-tied, but... No, that's a great <laughs> question. No, that's for sure. I mean, I... Yes. I mean, I I think physically I would like to have more of a masculine body. Um, okay. I have never liked my breasts. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Like, it makes sense to me more when... If, if somebody who's a woman really is a man inside, and then they, they want nothing to do with female parts and all... but that's kind right. of different than your situation, not situation. I didn't mean to say that you're the way no, no, no. you feel. So I'm just wondering what the surgery, you know, is for like, cause you identify, you don't identify either way. So I'm just a little confused on that. No, that doesn't make sense. I'm totally a hybrid. I'm going to keep the vagina. I'm going to get rid of the breast. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I, sometimes like, I mean, and I can be totally candid. I mean, I do sometimes feel like there's a penis missing, which is like a weird phantom feeling. Um, Mm. for the most part, I'm fine with what I have. And, um, I'm not motivated to take testosterone or to have like a beard or, you know, kind of body hair. Um, Sorry, Adam. I don't know how much body hair you have, but I'm just kind of not into the body yes, hair. Yes, and I don't... a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. So, you know, like, I, not, <laughs> I don't need, um, you know, to grow a beard and I don't, you know, it's that. It's like, I really would like to get over my breasts because, yeah, they are a very feminine piece of me and I wish my hips were not, I mean, my hips aren't that curvy. They're curvier than I would like. But at a certain point, I think, I'm always going to find something that I wish I could change. So I'm doing my best to accept my body for how it is. And well, I think that has so to I, do with just being a woman or a human being. I think just in general, or, you know, or I think just women, men, whomever it, it's, it, we're never satisfied. You know what I mean? So I think yeah, in I some ways we can all understand that, but obviously yeah. it's from a different place, I guess. So I, I, sure. I get that feeling of wishing things were different for sure. But, um, so yeah, so I was asking, um, about, uh, your name and what you, Oh yeah. So years and years ago, I actually considered changing my name before I had kids. Um, my partner and I moved to, we're in Vermont in 2001. I think she came up and then maybe I was 2002. I don't know. Um, Anyhow, because of my history of abuse, I kind of wanted to shed some layers. Like I kept giving myself physical distance um, from my hometown and um, cutting family members out of my life who were just toxic and not healthy for me. And because of, I think, um, wanting to kind of shed that and also without really really realizing how, like... (laughs) I've been on this path to kind of be this, and I I hate to say be because I've always been non-binary, but I've been on this path to finally owning this label for a long time. And I think that initial wanting to change my name 
um, a while ago was also on part of that to kind of get rid of that feminine um, piece of me. But <laughs> I really like my initials, which are ADL. I like how they look for some reason. <laughs> and so I wanted to, I wanted to keep um, my initials and I look through different A names and I just honestly, I just, I, I never did. I still think about it sometimes changing my name um, because it's so attached to my writing now as a professional. I'd be like, Ugh. I mean, I've seen other people do it um, and they've, you know, it's one thing to change my bio and change pronouns, but another thing to like go back and change my name on the thousands of articles I have written. I just, part of it's a convenient thing. And part of it is of all the things I have to potentially worry about. I am okay now actually saying my name is Amber. I use they, them pronouns because then I can indicate to people that yes, I have a feminine name, but I'm not a female. If that makes any sense. Do you ever say you prefer they, them and people are like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, Hmm. Or do people, no. do you ever get where people look at you like, that makes no sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> well, what's, what's your response to that? Because, I mean, it, it's a very different thing that people, you know, I never heard of this before. You know, Danielle introduced me to, you know, well, not introduced me to you, but um I, I never heard of it. You know, I'm sure most people never heard of it. So it's very right. I guess, confusing or for somebody in our position to try to understand it at first. So if you said, please refer to me as they, it's more like, what, you know, what? Sure. what I think, I think most of the response. So two things. So I deal with a lot of people online. Um, I haven't had anybody in person specifically say, wow, I'm not using that. Well, okay. Well, the people in my life in real life who struggle to use it have admitted to saying we're just still struggling to change and we're still struggling to yes, wrap our head around the idea of being non-binary and um, we don't totally understand it. So I won't say that it's it's been a blatant, I'm trying to tread lightly here because I want to be respectful myself and for other people. Um, I, I recognize that this is a hard concept for people to wrap their head around. I do. Um, I think for the most part, the reaction I've received from people is we want to support you. We're trying, give us time. Um, and for the most part I surround myself with people and um, in the communities and where I speak who already know what they then means. So it's pretty easy. Like I spoke at um, the university of Vermont um, translating identity conference, and that was 1100, you know, transgender, non-binary and or family members who love these people there. So I was basically like preaching to the choir. So uh, to say, you know, my name is Amber. I use they, them pronouns. It was, like no big shake, um, depending on, you know, people who I talk to, um, you know, it's harder for them to understand. And the biggest thing that I see is, well, how can, you know, I use they when that's for plural? Well, if you think about it, we've been using they to refer to one person in the writing world for a very long time, um, or even in the written world or, or the spoken world. So 
Like, for example, if you were to go to the park and you see somebody's wallet on the bench, before you even pick it up, you would hopefully say, huh, somebody left their wallet here. I wonder if they know they forgot their wallet. So before you even go and look at the wallet, you may have already said they, or maybe you open the wallet and there's no ID. You're like, oh man, I wonder if they knew they had a hundred dollars in this wallet. You know, like you don't know if it's, you wouldn't say, I wonder if he or she knows where their wallet is um, or her, his or her wallet. Like just, we have always used they, them in the singular form. But when people like me, ask you to refer to me that way when you think you should be using she, her, or even he, him pronouns. That's when people are like, whoa, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's for the plural. When it's like, well, actually, you've been using the singular term your whole life um, in these ways. Does this make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah, totally. That actually makes a lot more sense with the way you just described it. (laughs) And it's also so funny because it's sort of like, why does any care you know what I mean why not just do it you know what I mean That's like why I not just time. do it because you're in, you're because Amber is a human being and you want that human being to feel comfortable in this world and as another human being on the planet like if you can sort of do that for them then why not do it i I think you're like even thinking too hard about it like if somebody said that to me i wouldn't even get past the thought and be like all right fine whatever Well, no but you'd want to know why okay sure but because i'd be curious but not like who cares like if somebody wants to be called whatever they want right like so what right (laughs) why do i well that's kind of the whole thing but i guess that's not everybody thinks like that right and i think too um like my my daughter my oldest um, she'll be eight in February. My kids are, are working on it. And it's, it's honestly, they usually just scream my first name because they're kind of dicks and they don't. <laughs> Do they call you mom? I mean, they're just like, well, yeah, they call me mama, mommy. Um, there, they just scream Amber because they need their athletes or something. <laughs> or they're just mad. I don't know. So yeah, they refer to me as mama. And I've actually, that word is very important to me because somebody asked if I was going to change, like I probably will refer to myself as a parent or a mama. Um, in my writing, I, I tend to use, even in any of my writing, the word parent. I don't know. Don't go look this up. Don't fact check me. But just because, <laughs> and we can talk later about language, I try to use as inclusive language as I possibly can when I speak and when I write, excuse me. Um, so my kids will call me mom, mama, and they're slowly getting used to the, the they, them pronouns. And they're actually a lot of, not a lot. There are a couple of really great children's books um, around this and I've read them to them and it makes sense. Um, my daughter though, at first was like, how can I call you they? Cause that's two people. Like, and I talked to her a little bit about, you know, what we talked about, but I said, honestly, if you think about it, they is male and female. And I feel both male and female. Mm-hmm. So when you look at me, I'm both. And she goes, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So for her, I went ahead and gave her the plural to refer to me as one because because I said I do feel both masculine and feminine, and so it's okay for you to um, put a, a plural word, you know, attached to me as one person, um, and that made sense. So for now, I think they're totally on board, and it's funny because my transgender daughter, when I said, you know, guys, and they've always known I feel both male and female. It's just been like I said recently that I've been asking. Um, for the switch of the pronouns and my transgender daughter of everybody in the house was like, well, yeah, of course, like, duh, you know, cause she, 
she's very observant and she knows and um yeah she's just she's very intuitive that one and I am as well um so the two of us both bump heads and kind of think the same way and anyhow there's there's an interesting bond between the two of us <laughs> um but yeah she um she definitely sees me and, and everybody in the house is is working to switch um pronouns some people um in real life um do a better job and some people online do a better job um but i am trying to be patient while still feeling um respected and seen and sometimes the two don't meet so it can be challenging for sure question go ahead sorry no no go go um i don't if you can even you know articulate this uh, I, I don't know how. Um, what you say you kind of feel both male and female kind of at the same time. I, I, what what does that mean? How can you feel like in what ways is it like some physically, some mentally, both and both? Like what makes you feel masculine? What makes you feel feminine? Is that the right mm. question? You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. Yeah. Like I in what ways do you so. identify as male and what ways do you identify as female? Yeah, that's an easier way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess I, I can ask you the same question, right? Like what makes you identify as male? Well, and is it, uh, I guess your body, is it the messages you get from media and what it means to be a male? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not trying to avoid the question. I'm just literally trying to make you think the same thing. Sure. Because I, I hadn't, um, but, um, because I guess a hundred percent of what I know of myself is male. So I, I, I'm trying to feel like if there was a percentage of, you know, of myself that I felt female, like what would those be like to separate? I, I don't know. I can't, I'm having trouble. Like, and I can't either. No, I, honestly, Adam, well, that's, I can't why, either. that's why I said at the beginning, I, you might not be able to answer this, you know, because, it was just something that popped into my head and I can't obviously even do it for myself. So I can understand if you can either. Um, I think, I think it's, it goes back to how does a kid know if they're a boy or a girl and is that um, a trans kid, a cisgender kid. And if you want to talk about intersex kids, do you guys know anything about intersex? I, I uh, don't. It's okay if you don't. So, so there, so the intersex, community um if a kiddo is born with um sexual anatomy that cannot be determined to be either male or female um in the past and it is actually a human rights violation um doctors would make up their mind um what genitalia they were going to construct for this child they were going to base this kid's gender on whatever surgery they do um, oftentimes they got it wrong and it would then be a child who was constructed a penis, um, is actually female. And if they had done a little research, they would have seen internally that this kiddo actually had, um, uh, a uterus. So it's, it's, it's when, um, you know, the external body parts cannot be determined to be sexually male or female and, or those may not line up with the internal sex organs. Um, they would or do surgery have, like that before checking out the whole, like the whole, yeah, maybe? They, yeah. That's insane. They, it is insane. Um, I can't yeah. like, I, I, wow. 
Is that, does that so, still happen or now that's, that no. Doesn't... So now there's, I mean, there's definitely a movement towards not and doctor. I mean, I'm sure there still are surgeries happening. Um, but for the most part, the rule of thumb is just as long as the child can do what they need to, are healthy and can go to the bathroom and do what they need mm-hmm. to do. Um, let's see how this kid develops. Let's, let's let them tell us what their gender is because they're going to know. And then if they feel like their body someday needs to change to for whatever reason, then that's a conversation they can have at a later point with their family or their physician or whatever. But let's let this kid grow into themselves without somebody on the outside making a determination of how they should identify based on their sexual anatomy. So, um, I guess it's hard because as a parent, the first thing when your child is born, it, it, especially, you know, now a lot of people want to be surprised and everything, uh, is, is it a boy or a girl? So, right. you know what I mean? That's the and first I, thing that you, that you say, I mean, is it healthy? Does it have 10 fingers and 10 toes? And is it a boy or a girl? And so like right. to have a baby come out and not, I mean, I can see as a parent where that would sort of be like, Oh shit. Like that. All right. Now that was not, I, that was not on my agenda. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Sure. That would be, and then you're sitting there like, all right. So I'm, and everybody asks, what would she have? Did she have a boy or a girl or what, you know, what? And then, so it, it's, it's, that's a really hard concept. I think, I think for the most part, families decide, you know, they can decide, you know, what at that point, you know, are we going to say male or female? Um, what is my baby? But I think, and my hope is that with an open mind that this might change because I think more doctors are aware of what it means to be intersex and knowing that those, um, you know, the sex organs and sexual anatomy and, um, you know, the, the mosaic genes of having both um, male and female DNA will then potentially be different than what the kiddo's brain is telling them. So hopefully there are those doctors who are informing parents of this and say, look, let's say it's a boy, but please keep in mind that this kid might come back and say, eh, no, I'm not. And hopefully that transition for that kiddo um, will be easier because of um, the parents' knowledge and the open-mindedness of um, their family and that this kid is going to be who they are and we need to support and accept that. And so, and you said you live in Vermont and I've just, I'm, I'm wondering like, cause you were, you said you're originally from the Midwest. Was that, was it something about Vermont? Was there a certain community that you wanted to move to because you knew that there, it was like a more progressive or accepting community or, um, I mean, cause it seems like where you live is, um, a pretty accepting place. Is that correct? <clears throat> Yeah. So we, um, my partner and I moved to Vermont. Um, uh, my partner is a year older than I am and graduated six months before I did and was recruited by IBM when IBM was doing really, really well. So and your partner went to Penn their, State also? Yes. Yep. Okay. We met at Penn State. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, she was recruited by IBM at three different locations. One was in, um, Jesus, was it? Yeah. Poughkeepsie, New York. And one was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the other one was in Burlington, Vermont. And I'm like, I don't really want to live in a strip mall. Nothing against Poughkeepsie, but I just, I don't know. It just didn't feel 
right to me. Um, Raleigh definitely did not feel progressive enough. Um, I just, we knew even, I mean, this was 20 years ago, like that wasn't going to be a safe space for us. Um, and they wooed her up here on church street at Christmas time with the lights and the lake and the whole bit. And she's like, Oh my gosh, we have to move to Burlington. Um, and we knew they were more progressive, but just the beauty of the state and it just has a different feel, um, than other places. It really is like this weird magical place. It's, I don't know. So for the most part, yes, it is more progressive. Um, there is still a ton of work to be done. But at least here, people want to do the work, I'd say, for the most part. Um, it depends on what part of the state you're in um, of how accepting people can be. But definitely, I feel very supportive in the community that we're in. Um, and Vermont was the first state to have civil unions. So before marriage, um, gay marriage was legal um, through the United States government, states had... Um, civil unions in which allowed um, same, I'm just going to go same sex um, couples to be unioned. I mean, not married because we weren't recognized by um, the federal government, but at least by way of the state of Vermont, we could get civil union, which meant all employers had to recognize same sex couples the way they would married couples. Slowly, states started pushing for marriage. They started calling it marriage. And Vermont then, in 2010, or no, we were married in 2001. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> or no, we were civil union. Yeah, no, we were civil union. 90210. No, we were civil union September 2nd, 2001, because it was 090201. We're like, oh, it's so close to 90210. Oh, that's so funny. Um, and the idea of each state becoming saying marriage, it was all marching toward hopefully getting the federal government to recognize marriage. Um, so my partner was pregnant with our first kiddo um, when marriage was legalized in Vermont. So we sat around a table with some friends who one of them was the JP and we signed marriage license there. So we had a civil union, a marriage license. And then in June of 2015, the, um, you know, the, the case at the Supreme Court was passed and um, same-sex marriage was legal across the United States. Um, that still doesn't feel um, safe to me. I feel like that could be overturned at some point. Um, so I don't, I mean, it is recognized and I definitely um, have technically the same rights you do, but because of the discrimination that I still am could potentially face, um, I went ahead and did second parent adoption for all three of my kiddos. So I'm not biologically my kids' parents. My partner carried all three of our kids. Um, so depending on where we travel to and um, before same-sex marriage was legal across the country, depending where we travel to within the United States, I would be considered a stranger to my kids. Um, I, all that keeps protection. coming to my head is, do you watch Handmaid's Tale? Um, I watched the first season. I've been so crazy busy that I haven't watched. Um, the uh, maybe don't watch the second season. season. There's I probably shouldn't. No. Oh yeah, there's an awful, awful scene, and anybody out there who watches The Handmaid's Tale, and that's all that keeps coming to my head. But um, it's so funny. You and I have something in well, not something in common, but we know somebody in common. So you're. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. Um, maybe you should explain it because I'm gonna like butcher the 
all the <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knew that we would be talking about sperm and vagina and breast removal this is so fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so yes yeah, so your your kids were so it was a sperm donor um yeah, so we used I can explain I mean this could be fun you could explain it to me if you want Oh God, I don't know if I could, I could try. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, we used a reputable, um, cryobank to shop for frozen sperm. And, um, we used an anonymous donor, which means we don't know who he is, but we also used an anonymous open donor, meaning that our donor, when our kids turn 18 is willing to meet them because um, we thought it was important that our kids someday, if they want to meet their biological father, we don't say that they have a dad and they know they don't have a dad, but when it comes down to science, they do have a biological father. And if they want to meet him and, or have a relationship with someday, we wanted to give them that opportunity because I had a really shitty relationship with my father. My partner had a really good one with hers. He's still around. He's alive. She still does. Um, I haven't talked to my dad in about 15 years. So <clears throat> we wanted them to have an opportunity to have a connection with somebody in their life if they wanted to. If they never want to meet him, that's fine. But we didn't want to take that opportunity away. And I'm not saying some people choose to have a closed donor and their kids would, if they want to meet their donor, if they could do research and there's registries for that. And there's, you know, basically we wanted to give our kids the opportunity do you have any questions answered that may come up someday? So we and, chose a donor who... Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So we chose a donor who was willing to meet the kids someday. And the cryobank will set up that initial meeting. And then if the two of them want to continue that relationship, then they can. And I've, I've, um, I have friends who um, also have that situation. And I, ha I know a really wonderful woman through the Family Equality Council who um, has knows her biological father and has a great relationship with him. And so I've kind of seen all different angles of this and it just still feels really right that they have that option um, someday. So, but another option that the kiddos have um, through the cryobank, there is a sibling registry. So anybody who used the same sperm donor um, and you know him by his ID number, you can go to the, registry and list how many kiddos you have. So you have to, so when you're pregnant, you have to announce that you have a pregnancy via this donor. It, it tells other people who've used this donor, if you've had a pregnancy, it's just, it's a way of keeping track, but you can also tell the other families who use the same donor, um, you know, what, and we'll keep it binary here. If you had a boy or a girl, and, you know, when they were born, and if you want to list your contact information, you are welcome to do that. So I was pretty hesitant um, to do this, honestly, because as a non-bio parent, I was being a little insecure, just about, like, I wanted to make sure I was forming a bond with my daughter. Um, and this was almost eight years ago. Um, like, I wanted, like, I just I was like, I don't know if I want other people in our family. I don't know if I want these outsiders, you know. I don't know if I want kids who actually are strangers or are more biologically connected to my kid than me to be in my life and their parents. And 
So my partner was curious. I was like, oh, let's just find out. And so we looked on the donor register, the sibling registry page, and we saw that this couple had listed. They just had had twins by the same donor that we used, and they used the language. Um, Molly said something about my partner and I or something. So like, oh, is it two women? Is it a male and female? Like, but she purposely put this information in there in a non um gendered way because knowing that a lot of lesbians use cryobanks, she didn't want to kind of turn off um, anybody if she said my husband and I use um, or have twins because her husband is transgender and that's why they needed to use the sperm. So and Molly and I went short, to high school together. High school, yes. <laughs> so it's so funny so, when you, yeah, well, somehow we figured out she and I, that she and I went to the same high school. It's crazy that, you know, that just small world. But um, yeah, so that's just so, so when I see pictures of you guys together, because you guys kind of all hang out, right? You kind of like, they, they, yeah, all, we, they all know they're sort of siblings. Is that correct? Oh, they know they're siblings. They know, they call each other brother and sister. Um, they love and fight like brothers and sisters. They have similar quirks and um, I mean, they look alike. Uh, so yeah, so we quickly developed a wonderful relationship with them. And we met for the first time when our kiddos were right around 18 months, we met in person. And then ever since then, we try to see each other two to three times a year. Um, and so then it was, you know, they have twins and we have a singleton and then we had twins and they had a singleton. So there's a total of six kiddos between the two families at this point. And, um, it's loud and noisy and we were bummed. Normally we spend Thanksgiving with them and this is the first year and a few that we didn't get to, um, so we really miss seeing them, but yeah, we definitely, we fight and I mean, their family and um, they just, it's yeah, so the cool. kids are brothers and sisters. Yeah, I think that is so it's, cool. Very cool. So yeah. And Ethan, her husband has been a huge resource to us, um, you know, being a transgender man and, um, just helping us, um, navigate some of this stuff to get his perspective you know, like we wanted as parents to do the right thing and kind of looking to him to be like, you know, what would you have wanted, you know, as a kid and just kind of like, um, I don't know. He's just, he's just a wonderful human being in general and Molly is too. So they've just been great support and, um, yeah, so there, it's pretty cool, you know, and looking back, I'm like, why wouldn't I have wanted all this love in my life? Well, it's cause it was new and it was scary and, um, you know, who knew that it could have been so great. And the crazy thing is they were living in California at the time, Molly and Ethan were when we connected. He was, I think, still doing some type of schooling. Um, but um, he actually went to UVM and was living in Burlington the same time my partner and I were living in Burlington and we had never met. So he was floating around the same parts, probably went to the same gay bar we did. He actually started the Trans Identity Conference that I actually spoke at this year when he was at UVM. And it was just this whole serendipitous thing. Like it's like we've been meant to be connected somehow. And that's really cool. Yeah. So, well, so one thing I want to talk about, um, how you can, like, how, how can we better help our kids be more understanding, accepting, tolerant of anybody who they meet or, um, you know, that, 
is non-binary or you know in the LGBTQ community for because Adam and I you know we're raising three kids and I think that we're doing a pretty good job of raising kids who are aware and open and um, but it's always still a struggle for us just because we aren't as well informed as you are or you know some of the people in the community are so what what how, what would you tell us to do to make sure that we are raising the most, you know, tolerant human beings we possibly can? Well, a couple things. Um, so, so I'm an advocate. I'm an educator. I work a lot in the schools, um, specifically, and I will tell you that kids are already pretty accepting and they are already pretty open to this stuff. I think you hit the nail on the head of saying it's the parents who aren't quite sure how to do it. And I'm finding up here that parents want to be able to talk to their kids about stuff and they just aren't sure how to have the conversations. And I think the most important thing as parents is that we have these conversations at a very early age um, and educators need to have these conversations at a very early age. I think sometimes educators hear LGBTQ and they sexualize it and the same thing with the transgender bathrooms. People sadly still equate homosexuality being transgender with pedophilia. And it's just so far from the truth. Um, but that's kind of the stigma that I have to break down a lot of times first. Um, and so when I say I want to come into my kid's preschool, I mean, my kid's preschool classroom was totally dope and I didn't have a problem. But let's say, you know, a parent said, I want my kids to read um, I Am Jazz. It's a book about um, Jazz Jennings, a transgender um, woman who from a very young age knew she was trans. And this book is written for preschool to age whatever. Um, it's written in very gentle language and easy to understand language for preschoolers because preschoolers, they like, <laughs> um, I, I don't teach my kids what it means to be cisgender, right? Straight, um, because it's the normal. It's, it's what everybody equates as the bar of which everything's set up against, you know, straight, um, masculine presenting men, feminine presenting females. This is the heteronormative and anything that's not that is seen as different and weird and not okay. And so from an early age, if we can start breaking down that bias and show kids that, well, actually there are people who are transgender and there are people who have two moms or two dads, um, then those things become normal at a very early age and those become part of everyday conversation. So my recommendation is find LGBTQ kids books, young adult books, books for teens, books for adults that aren't just instructional, like how do I better understand these things, but actually just are like characters in a story. And there are more and more books that, I mean, but back in the day it used to be just Heather has two mummies and it was basically like, Heather has two moms and we should like her because she's the same as us. And it was just a very like educational. I mean, it was groundbreaking at the time. Don't get me wrong. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I'd say books are huge. And that's what I tell educators. And that's what I tell parents. The sooner you can get a book in your kids' hands that represent all types of families, all types of people. And this is across the board. It's race, it's religion, it's poverty. It's like our kids need to be aware that the world is not just what they see in their household. And if we can better represent queer people, then those conversations are going to happen. And you're already setting a tone in your house saying, um, you know, cause I always say your kids shouldn't have to come out to you. I mean, they still do and they will because that's our world. And for a long time, um, that's the way it's going to be because they're going to feel like they have to come out because being in love with somebody of the same, um, gender is still not okay. Um, unfortunately, but if you are raising your kid in a house that you're reading these books and showing these movies and cartoons and just kind of celebrating these people or openly talking about, um, you know, your friends who, you know, Oh, so-and-so's moms, you know, kind of thing. When you normalize it in your house, then your kid slowly realizes that, Oh, this is normal. And if I'm feeling this, that's a normal feeling. Cause in my house, I've been taught that it's normal. So I still may feel nervous coming up to my mom and dad because it's probably not what they expect me to be because you probably, you as parents have even said to either your son or daughter, like, oh, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, someday, you know, like we may have already, you know, we have these biases and we'll say, you know, things that are heterosexual or, you know, instead of somebody saying like, oh, he's going to make somebody a good husband or wife someday, we say, oh, he's going to make somebody a good husband someday, referring to his wife. Um, so it's the language that we use around our kids that we can also let them know that they're going to be supportive, however they fall in love with them. Or even like if they're playing with a girl and I think I'm sure I have (laughs) been, you know, guilty of this. And I know so many people are uh, that, you know, is that your girlfriend? Is that, you know what I mean? That kind Mm -hmm. of thing is, I think still huge. And we do that all the time. Oh, do you have a crush on her? Or so we automatically are, assuming that they are, you know, heteronormative. Yeah. Well, and so there's, so there's sexuality and there's also gender expression. So no matter how you fall in love, no matter what your sexuality is, we express ourselves in lots of different ways. And I think what's even more important at such an early age is to let our little girls or little boys, I'm just going to use the binary for now, um, express themselves in a way that go against that norm and allow kids to be gender nonconforming and bust those stereotypes because when a kid comes out later in life, they're, they're, they might be made fun of for being gay, but they're probably made fun of because, you know, Sam, who is a flamboyant gay teenage boy, you know, might like to paint his fingernails. And so from a very early age, boys are told, oh, boys can't paint their fingernails and they're made fun of on their gender expression. Um, or boys can't wear pink or you can't wear those boots. There's sparkles in it because only girls can wear that stuff. And so if we can, from a very early age, allow our boys and girls to explore all types of roles, all types of colors, dress, like for some reason, parents get so worked up about like if our kids deviate from what they expect to be male or female. And that starts with those fucking gender reveal parties. Like, <laughs> like what's right, I, know, I read your article gender. about that. I thought that was a really interesting. Oh. I almost mentioned that before actually. And, um, that's like the biggest thing today. Yeah. I mean, these, and Adam owns a party store. And I think that what, there's like a huge business for you, huge. right? Uh, gender reveal has grown in the last year, bigger than most categories in the store. I mean, it's a huge, yeah. every single weekend thing. I mean, 
if nothing else, be like, yay, we're having a penis party. I mean, because that's really all you're announcing. You're, you're not announcing your kid's gender. I mean, you might be. And people are like, well, why is it such a big deal? We're having fun. I'm like, well, then just have a fucking baby shower. Like, mm-hmm. why do we need to, like, light stuff on fire and associate, like, pink and blue and all the things with what's between your kid's legs? Like, you're already setting your kid up with these stereotypes, whether you think you are or not. So right. I could go on. I won't. Right. <laughs> but right. Um, and I, it's hard. Yeah. I see, you know, and I see both sides because I also get the, I get the excitement of it and I get the, you know, so it, it's hard, but of course, when you say it, the way you say it, I completely understand that perspective also. So it's so hard because, you know, we're, with we are caught with the, between these worlds of, what we're used to and what we're trying to get to and letting go sometimes of these practices is really hard. Yeah. I think they're just, you know, can I give you an example? Okay. Oh, go ahead, Adam. Okay. Um, kind of, um, adding to what Danielle was saying where it's just like another celebration, another reason, you know, we're looking for new reasons to celebrate and, you know, and what these gender reveals are, which, you know, people are excited. It's a boy, it's a girl. And I, I guess that's still, nobody thinks about this other side of the coin where there's, you know, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's, we're celebrating for the wrong reason, but I guess because it's typical that it's either a boy or a girl. I mean, that's, it's celebrated. Yeah. So, I mean, like you were saying, it's, it's both hard. sides, it's very it's hard. Hard, you know, because it's, it's a fun thing to do, but you're not thinking about right. people who can't, or, you know, feel differently about it. Yes. And I definitely see that. Um, I think, um, to me, it just looks like ignorance because people are confusing gender and sex, but you're right. For the most part, that sex will match up with the gender that you're celebrating. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I wanted to know what was between my kid's legs. Like I have OCD and I kind of want to know what I was going to, you know, and I thought too, when my twins, I thought two penises, like, Oh, I'm having two boys. But I also, you know, coming at it from a very different non-heteronormative um, reality was, I mean, as a parent, it was hard to have um, to watch my kid kind of struggle and, and they'll be like, okay, but this is the path we're on. Um, but I always knew, I guess it was a possibility. And my fear is with the overdoing of the gender reveal parties that people won't have the, like, go ahead, have a party, and say we're having a girl but i hope it also comes with um we're having a girl unless they tell us otherwise and we're okay right. with that too right right, you know? right. So, i like that yeah i like that then that's a great way to spin it definitely like, knowing that that so, might not be the case right because i mean i think so gender can be very validating and pronouns are very validating um another way that we can i talk a lot about in classrooms and with parents is um, the way the language we use, I will never say hi, boys and girls. I will say hi, friends. Hey, dudes. Hey, team. Hey, first graders. There's a bazillion ways to say hello without gendering someone. Um, certain language, instead of saying fireman, I say um, firefighter or police officer or mail carrier, server. There's a way to speak everyday things to say the same thing, but in a non-gendered way. Um, so I think if we can do that with our kids from a very early age, I think it takes away some of that, 
um, feeling like you have to be either a boy or girl to do certain roles and, or you have to be either a boy or girl to feel like you fit in to society. A lot of people aren't aware of these implicit biases that we have. Um, and it, again, is, can be, you know, when it comes to race or poverty or religion, anything that kind of rubs us kind of against what we know to be our truth and what we know to understand feels a little scary. And whether we know it or not, we, um, we kind of make a face or we walk to the other side of the street or we're like, eh, I can't do that. That just doesn't make any sense. I'm uncomfortable. I talk a lot about what a privilege it is to choose when you want to be comfortable or not. Um, I am rarely comfortable. And um, it's something I embrace in some regards. It's something that is exhausting. Um, so when I hear somebody say, well, these topics are really hard. I'm really uncomfortable. I say, well, that's a lovely choice um, to choose not to talk about this stuff to make sure my kid feels included in your classroom. Because if she doesn't feel comfortable, she may kill herself one day. She may die by suicide. So let's be honest. So for people to say when they want to be comfortable or not, that's a big red flag for me. And so I think I encourage parents to be uncomfortable, to kind of live in this space of um, making mistakes, like we talked about at the beginning, and being vulnerable, and kind of challenging what we show our kids on a day-to-day basis. Um, I went in to read a book called Pride, the Harvey Milk story. It was the story behind Harvey Milk, um, the first gay elected official um, out in San Francisco many moons ago. And um, I just say many moons. Anyhow, um, <laughs> and he was, uh, he was assassinated. Um, and I probably shouldn't have said many moons. Anyhow, <laughs> so he was um, assassinated. But before he was killed, he um, and a friend came up with a rainbow flag and why that was so important to pride and it was something to rally behind. And I talked to second graders about this stuff and um, talked about what it means to be gay. And one of the pictures in the book were two men, um, Harvey Milk and his boyfriend. And it's this really beautifully illustrated book. And it's again, meant for, I think first to fourth graders. I mean, it's reading books for the appropriate age. I mean, sometimes people think we shouldn't have these conversations with kids and we should, there are these beautiful books that tell us we should. Um, so there are these two men on this tandem bike and it's this lovely picture. And I saw a little girl make a face like this. Ooh, that's gross kind of face. And so I stopped and I said, I see you making a face. Is it because there are two people in love because ew, you're in second grade and yeah, like whatever, you don't need to deal with that right now. Or is it because it's two men in love and she goes, it's two men in love. And I said, yeah, that feels weird to you because you don't get to see that very often, do you? And she goes, no, I've never seen that before. And so we need to not shame our kids when they don't understand something that we want them to understand. Like it's the same when, you know, I'm often asked, are you a boy or a girl? And parents are like, shh, 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 don't, don't, don't ask that. Because then you make the kid feel bad for even asking the question. When I'd rather have a conversation and normalize something to them than shushing them and making them so bad they ask the question. So I embrace the fact that she's like, because it's not her fault she's never seen two men um, in love. And so as parents, my hope is when we see kids kind of struggle with something or ask questions that you think might be offensive, to actually kind of see where the conversation goes. Um, Because really beautiful things can come about. And so we talked about it and I said, you're right. Books that you see, cartoons, movies you see, you don't get to see two men or two women in love very often, do you? And she's like, I don't. 
and she's like, I would like to. And he said, well, yeah, like, cause love is love. And, um, and my daughter's in her class. I'm like, and yeah, she, you know, Eva has two moms and you guys like me. And, and so I am constantly in my kid's school to represent my family, other queer families, and just to give these kids a face of representation for what the queer community looks like. Um, I mean, I'm kind of a unicorn as far as the queer community goes. I mean, just through my looks and being non-binary, I'm kind of as queer as it gets. Um, but the kids know me for me. And because I'm providing that representation, I'm normalizing this stuff for them. And so parents can do the same thing by embracing some of these conversations that feel uncomfortable and by allowing your kids to kind of fumble through stuff too, because that's when we're going to learn and we're going to be okay with some of these topics. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, definitely. I think normalizing it is the, you know, is really important. Actually, if you, uh, I'm going to get some of those book titles from you and maybe we can put them on our website as well. Uh, just, you yeah. know, so that people can just maybe click through, uh, you know, the link to, to get them if they'd like. Um, can you tell everybody how to get in touch with you and what it is you do. And if somebody is looking for a speaker or this sounds appealing is something that they want to bring to their community or their schools or, um, wherever, uh, can you just give a little bit of, uh, an idea of what you bring to the table when you do a, a presentation and a little bit about how anyone can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, yeah, I have a website. It's, um, just amberleventry.com and, and we'll link to that as well from ours. Awesome. Thank you. So I advertise myself as, um, a writer and as an advocate and as a speaker and I'm queer doing all of these things. And my mission is to create a more LGBTQ inclusive world, specifically learning and workspaces. Um, and I want to help people be aware of their biases, um, mostly their heteronormative biases, um, because I think if we can kind of better understand the way we think, we can kind of see how maybe we aren't being as inclusive as we would like to be, um, and so we can hopefully understand the queer community better, which leads to normalization, which leads to acceptance, which leads to less bullying, less depression in our youth, and hopefully less um, suicide by kids who don't feel like they have a place in this world when they absolutely do. Um, so I have a big mission and um, I have a lot of allies who want to be better allies. And so I speak um, at different places, rec centers, the schools, conferences. Um, Danielle, I was recently selected to speak at Mom 2.0. Um, hey, that's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I am going to talk about the importance of being LGBTQ inclusive um, in basically the writing world, but the value that it actually adds to your business by being inclusive. There was a study done that um, these experts were given a problem um, to solve and then a diverse group of people were given a problem to solve and the diverse group every time solved the problem better than the experts. And so that's just one example of if you actually have a diverse audience and voices in your world, then you're actually probably going to achieve um, more success. But anyhow, hmm. I digress. So um, my website, again, is just amberleventry.com. And I have listed some of the topics I speak on, um, kind of the basic stuff that people really want to know about. I do 
um, different seminars. The one is literally like LGBTQ. What do these letters mean? And it's just a 90 minute talk on, um, gender expression, gender versus sexuality. Um, what does it mean to be queer? You know, let's, let's talk about the way these things intersect. Um, another one is what does it mean to be transgender? What does it look like in our youth? What does it look like as an adult? What do different types of transitions look like? Um, how can we be respectful to transgender people and how can we support them? And that would also include non-binary people. And then I have a talk on how do we talk to our kids about this stuff? You know, and I dig deeper into, um, you know, conversations that you have based on different age, um, ranges. And then I have a, a presentation on how do we make these changes within the classroom and workplaces to be inclusive. And a lot of it has to do again with our biases and with the language that we use. Um, and just kind of this overall understanding of, um, you know, identity and how important it is to recognize and see somebody for who they are. So those are kind of like the four basic ones that I can speak on a lot of different topics. Um, and it can be anything from, you know, teaching, uh, little kids to working with teenagers to, um, employers. I'm going to be working with a hospital in the near future to help get, um, their medical staff, um, faculty and staff up to what they need to be. So when a queer patient walks in that basically the doctors don't put their foot in their mouth and, or do something, um, that will prevent this patient from coming in and get, um, care again in the future. So I'm basically just on a mission to, to make places as affirming and, um, accepting as possible. And I do that through educating and through speaking and through writing and my, public Facebook page is family rhetoric by Amber Leventry and sorry, Adam, I will not change the name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And um, all my, my Twitter and my Instagram handles are just at Amber Leventry. And um, yeah, I welcome all questions and, um, and I'm pretty good at helping people reframe questions. So hopefully it will be um, respectful if it doesn't feel it to me, but again, I'm very approachable and, um, I really love having these conversations. I could talk about this stuff all day long, but um, yeah, so that's what I do. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and especially I, I love for Adam to be able to yeah, talk about this stuff because my eyes in my mind. I mean, I knew nothing of any of this up until a day or two ago um, or even, you know, today, you know, specifically as far as everything that you've just, you know, told us and, let us know about and open us up to. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's fun too. I mean, like there's like, so it can be serious and be like, okay, do this. but at the end of the day, like it's pretty fucking fun to be queer. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's <laughs> hard sometimes. And like, I'm kind of sick of people telling me I'm in the wrong bathroom. Um, right. But I do. I mean, there's also this really fun and loving and flamboyant side. And there's so many good gay jokes. And it's just like, there's just <laughs> so much fun around it too. I mean, it really is like pride parade. I mean, it as hard as it can be. I really, I mean, I really do love who I am and I wouldn't change it for anything. And that's awesome. Um, I mean, rainbows and unicorns. And I mean, I personally don't like glitter because what a pain in the ass all that is, but um, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is pretty magical. And I think part of that is the community that I'm part of. And um, I think any marginalized group, if you can kind of find your people and your support, there's just this extra layer of 
something magical. Um, and my hope is that all LGBTQ people can find that because I also know what it's like to be a suicidal closeted teen. And I, if I can make a kid who is feeling like that now feel better or help their parents understand them better, then I'm going to do it. So there's two sides to it. Um, and my hope is through education that we're going to get those kids to the rainbows and the unicorns and not feel so dark inside. But thank you for letting me talk. And yeah, Adam, you I think you're exactly my audience. You're accepting, you want to learn, and now hopefully you'll go and, I don't know, talk to somebody about this stuff and open their minds a little bit too. And we're that's just going to keep pushing that needle. That's our community too. So, you know, obviously this is going to reach out to a okay. lot of people who are accepting and understanding. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to check out, you know, all the, all that you have to offer on Facebook and your blog and whatever else it is. And I think you're inspiring not only just for the LGBT community, but I think to everybody just to be your more authentic self and to, you know, kind of just like own who you are and be really just excited about it. And I think that's really cool. And, um, I love like all your postings and everything. I love your pictures. I love seeing your, you know, just how excited you are to be rocking a new LGBTQ shirt or <laughs> whatever it is. It's, your, you, it's really fun. And I, I really appreciate it because, um, you know, I, you, I feel like you guide, you kind of can guide me in the direction of this is what I should be saying and the language I should be using. And I'm appreciative of that because we don't live in a community that's quite as, accepting and progressive and so we don't get it a lot of other places um so it's really great because i can go online and see what you're doing and use that in my own life so thank you thank you and it's funny so i have my queer as fuck it's queer af you know sure i wear to yoga and um somebody asked me about the day like what do your kids think it says i'm like well they know it says queer af i tell them it means as fact and they're like that's genius i'm like it's true and so i have my sober af mug they're like my daughter's like sober af oh sober as fact i'm like uh-huh it's a fact. <laughs> that's great i love it that's awesome so, yeah i don't censor a lot for my kids but yeah um, no we don't either <laughs> Um, <laughs> we definitely don't, except they're not allowed to listen to the podcast. Although I will let them listen to this episode. So yeah, I hope so. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you yeah, so much. And you. you are always welcome to come on marriage and martinis. We love to have you back as many times as you want. And I'm sure thank there you. are a thousand other conversations have that would be equally as informative. And, um, I feel like we hit the tip of the iceberg, but I think hopefully now people will go off and do some research. I know I'm about to go and do more research about intersex because I'm kind of fascinated by that. Um, yeah. And, and I will say I'm not the expert on everything and I can only speak from my experience. So if there's somebody out there listening who I just got it wrong, I will apologize. And also please know that if you don't know if I got it wrong or not, I maybe did. And that I can only speak from my personal experience. Well, our listeners know we say every episode, we are not experts. We can only speak through our experience. And I think sometimes that's the best way to get information is through experience. And um, so we appreciate you, you know, sharing your experience with us. 
And, um, and I hope people will go and check you out. And I think that they will. I think they're going to check out your blog and your, uh, yeah. So thank you. Hey, happy Hanukkah. Happy oh, Hanukkah. Thank you we so much. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah, our kids like we're asking for a presence at seven 30 this morning. So we didn't, we, we didn't actually even make it to evening. <laughs> so, but you know what? It's because awesome. they've left us alone all day. They're playing with their new shit. And so, you know, it was a win-win. Nice. <laughs> yeah, my partner is Jewish, so we do the candles and I bake latkes and we do the dreidel and stuff. Um, and they're like, "Why don't we do presents?" I'm like, "Because you get Santa, so don't right. be greedy." Right. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Don't get awesome. greedy. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, well thank, thank you guys. Okay. Right. Thanks again. Okay, yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks, Amber. Bye.